Well, get your Bible out and go to John chapter 3. And then we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about something good to talk about. I have a question for you. Are you all ready? Why do churches not see more people get saved? Well, that's one reason. That's one reason. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever invited people and they said no? How many of you? Everybody in the room, right? All right, why is that? If you you listen to my pastor's notes, I gave you a a, a thumbprint of this, Um, but we're going to go into it deep. We're going to go into it because I believe that that the Holy Ghost is emphasizing harvest right now. I think it's really important that we start focusing on people that are not born again. And I'm going to say something. I want you all to hear me. It is fun and easy to get people saved. It's fun. I don't want you, you know, sometimes when you hear about evangelism, you know, and people come and this is their flavor. And I don't have a problem with it. Different, different strokes for different folks. They like to go out and knock on doors, have someone slam in their face, knock on another one, slam in their face, knock on the door, slam in their face. Then you knock on someone's door and they let you in and they talk about politics for two hours and argue with you. And you fight like a cat and nobody ever gets saved. So I, I'm, not, I'm not real heavy on that one. I, I just don't like it. It, don't, it doesn't suit my personality. probably doesn't suit yours or you'd be doing it. But most of the places that I've worked in my life, when I worked a secular job, not pastoring, most of the people I work with came to Jesus. Just wasn't difficult, wasn't hard. Uh, if you give me a half of an hour with anybody, uh, I can sit down and talk to them and pretty much get them born again. It's not real difficult. So you just have to wait for an opportunity. I was at the shoot the other day at, a, at the competition and a, I said something to a guy about church and he says, man, I'm, I'm mad at God. I'm just, I'm angry at God. And he got off on his God killed someone before his time rant. And it's just religion. And I was able to open the word of God and talk to him for a minute. And I think he's saved. I think he's born again. But you know, it, it, God wants the word out and, and he, all he has is you. Yeah. If you're waiting on someone else or you're backing up because there ain't anybody else, you're it. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. And I don't want to look at you and ask you how many people y'all have gotten saved because I don't want to embarrass you. But let me ask you a question. I'm just going to say it real nice. If you're sitting here and you think you know the Bible and people are not getting saved, you might want to question how much Bible you know. Because Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. So, you know, it wasn't anything big deal after I got born again. It's just everywhere I went and everywhere I worked, people got saved. It's just you're a Christian People say stuff and they talk, and if you're full of the Word of God, you talk, and, the, and what I'm saying is living, and what they're saying is dead, and it's not long before they turn to you and go, talk to me. Right. Now, I hadn't even read my scripture yet, but let me tell you a story. When you're, when you're you know, when you, when, you get full, when you get full of the Word of God, and you're full of God, and you love Jesus, and you, and you do, people see it. They know it. Yeah. And I was working, I was laying, you, you know, um, when I was a block mason, the, the guys I worked with, they didn't like working with me. Because every time I said something, it was about Jesus. 
And every time they said something, it was exactly the opposite of Jesus. And so actually, after a while, you get, you know, you get tired of, of my answers. So they decided to put me on jobs alone so I wouldn't bother anybody. So they sent me down to iDrive, and there's a hospital, and they messed up all the doors and stuff in it. And I had to go change all of the stuff inside of it, which means I had to cut doors out and relay the block and change stuff. Well, I'm on a ladder. And I'm cutting a block over my head with a big saw. It's a saw that cuts concrete. And, guy, and I look down, a guy standing at the bottom of the ladder, and he's just looking at me. And I go, hey, can I help you? And he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, I need prayer. And I'm just working. And I said, why'd you ask me that? He said, you're glowing. I said, that's just dust. He said, it ain't dust. Because when you walked in the room, it was obvious that you look like my family members that are all spirit-filled Christians. And you're glowing. And right now I'm on drugs and I need Jesus. And I'm just working. Are y'all out there? See, there, there's something about your presence, just, just you being there. And it, it ought to attract people. And, and, and it'll cause a few people to avoid you. You know. So anyway, John 3.16. We're going to start with John. Why do we not see more people saved? And I'm going to read something to you. And I'm going to pray right now. Father, as I open up this, as I read this, I... I I'm going to say some things today that some people may not really have ever heard before because I don't think a lot of Christians are ever going deep enough to ever really get into this. And I want to go deep enough. I want to get deep so that people actually have an understanding of why lost people are lost and what we can do to help them. And I thank you in Jesus' name. John 3.18. Well, let's read 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have zoe, everlasting life. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. The world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. And he who believes not, he who does not believe is condemned when? Already. Now, I want you to think about this. I said this in my notes, and I want this to impregnate you. The people that you know that are not saved, they're damned, and they know it. They know they're condemned. Now, they don't walk around saying, I'm condemned, I'm condemned, I'm condemned. They don't really know what's wrong. They just know there's a God. He's a holy God. Romans 1 says that he showed them that. And they know they're not right. So I'm going to ask you a question. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, how did God know they sinned? He comes looking for them. Where are they? They're hiding. Where are, what are sinners doing now? They're, they're all hiding, guys. They're in the bushes. They're not in church. They're not looking for God. They're not even praying. Oh, here's my point. The whole sermon is, this is my point. If they're not praying, who is? If you, all right, listen. So let's go back. Let's say you got 10 family members that are not saved. 
And I'm not trying to lay a heavy load on you, but I am going to lay a load on you. If you're not praying, no one's praying and they're going to go to hell. By the mere fact that you just think you just need to give them the gospel. And I, and I understand that. I understand that. Give them the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I'm going to show you tonight that Jesus had a prayer life, didn't he? Why? Did not God not know why he sent him? Does God not know these sinners need the gospel? Yes. But you've got to, you've got to really grab something that John Wesley said, I have said it, uh, Kenneth Hagin said it, Andrew Womack said it, people say it, they keep saying this. It, it, Wesley said, it seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him. God has limited himself by your prayer life. God's limited by your prayer life. So the, the church this whole sovereignty message is really created such an apathy in the church. And that's why I agree that it's one of the most deadly uh, doctrines there is uh, in the earth. That, you know, God's just running everything. Because if he is, you know, who goes to hell, you know. And it's not our responsibility, but it is our responsibility. And I don't mean you to walk around with this, that the world's going to hell and I'm responsible. I don't want you to do that. But I do want you to look around the people because to see a need is to, you can pray. You don't have to pray hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours over people. Sometimes just pray for them, period. Just, God's looking for someone to just ask him. Just please move in this area. He wants to move, but he's limited by our prayer life. That piece of information has changed my soul because it, it causes me to love my prayer life. I love my prayer life. I love sitting down and going, Heavenly Father, what do you want me to ask you today? What do you want to talk about? What, can, what is a concern of yours? And I would pray about things. One day I was praying and he says, please pray for your sister, Nancy. Pray, pray for Nancy. Well, let's stop for a minute. Let's stop. Does he not know Nancy needs prayer? Well, what's he need me to pray for her for? Because it's not a religion. He needs me, a human, to say, would you please move in my sister's life? And we're going to talk about that. He needs my mouth. He needs a man. He needs a human. That's why God had to become a human. When you understand the, the Christmas, it's all the fact that God had to become human and walk in dominion. Then he gave that authority to the church. And the church really, for the most part, has never taken up this mandate to even pray about the lost at all. If it was true, they'd be people getting saved every Sunday. All you got to do is start praying for them. Now, let me say one more thing before we move on. And I say this with all of the grace I can. I understand that when you call me and say, I need you to help me and someone in my family needs to get born again. I understand that. Because sometimes the prophet's not without honor except in his own house. And your family's already decided they're not going to get saved through you. When are you going to learn how to lead someone, Jesus? Have you, I, mean, have you, I mean, listen, you've been down at the flight school, been taking flying lessons for 20 years. You've never been in an airplane. Oh, that's stupid. That's kind of stupid. You go to church for five years, you never led anybody to the Lord? 
I mean, I mean, I mean that's kind of like what come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest and, um, and follow me and I'll make you a fisherman. You're following him and, and you never become a fisherman. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. This is a big deal to God. People going to hell is a big deal. Aren't you glad you're not going? Well, then, then start thinking a little bit about the people around you and, and we'll get into how to pray. So I'm trying to motivate you just a little bit without put, you know, you're going to feel a little guilty when I say this and, and, and you are, you should. Thank you for your All right. I'm going to read some, something out of a book and, and I'm, and I'm going to, um, I know y'all don't like me reading out of books. Some of y'all don't. Because you think I could read the book. And that's true. You could, but you don't. So I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> now, um, this is a book, In His Presence by E.W. Kenyon. One of the best books on prayer I've ever read in my entire life. I read it, and then sometimes I pick it up and just start reading it again. And it, 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 because I, I'm like you. I, I know to pray, and I don't always. Thank you all. There's no sense in all of us acting like we're all super saints. We're not. And there are times when I'm praying all the time and I'm praying and I'm, and there's other times when I'm going, I haven't really prayed about that in three or four. Oh my God, help me, Jesus. What am I doing? Because, because Satan's always got something for me to do. Somebody's always got something going on. And by the time I'm, I have good intentions, but I walk in there at night and I lay down in bed and go, Father God, I didn't pray a thing today. In Jesus' name, please forgive me. I'll do better tomorrow. Amen. And I go sleep. And I just want y'all to know that I do it too. But I try not to do it all the time. You know, I realize that I have to just turn, turn the TV off, put the phone down. Take some time, walk and get alone and just worship God and pray in the Holy Ghost. All right, thank y'all for y'all. I wasn't, I don't want y'all to get in condemnation because if I'm gonna put you in condemnation, we're all gonna go there. Okay. Page 12. Life will never mean much to you outside of God's will. The big thing in life is to be in the will of God. You say, I was never called to give myself to prayer. No, you may never have been called to set yourself apart for a special ministry of prayer. But I think it would be wise for you to spend enough time in prayer to get acquainted with your father. There's only two ways of getting acquainted, and that's through the word and by prayer. If you don't take your time to pray, you're losing out. You can't say you have no responsibility in the prayer life, for you do have. Yes, you do. To see a need is a call. There are people who are utterly lost unless you take your place. There will be people in hell if you don't start praying because of you. Unless you do your part, men will cry against you through eternity. You cannot plead. You had too much work to do. You can pray while you work. You can't, you can't put up the plea. You don't know how. You could learn if you wanted to. You know, I was watching Keith Moore today. Someone put him on Facebook. I don't know who did it, but I liked it. And yes, and amen, didn't the whole nine yards. Yeah. How is it that when you have a special trip to go to and you have to be at the airport at 6 in the morning, you can get your booty out of bed and go? And you look at me and tell me you couldn't help being late for church. 
you could if it was important to you. I guarantee you if I gave you a all expense trade paid trip to Hawaii and told you you had to be at the airport six, you, your, your booty would be there at 530 in the morning. Amen, baby. I'm going to Hawaii. Hallelujah. And I mean service. I mean, the late one's 1030. I mean, help me, Jesus. You could if you really thought it was a big deal. And it's a big deal. And I mean, I'm, that's a rant and I'm sorry. Where, where you, you can learn. You, you will learn what you want to know. All right, that's my rant. I've done it. I'm on my soapbox. Okay. I, I can't stand for someone to tell me. I just don't know how. I want to give them a spirit. I, well, learn. The prayer responsibility is the most important thing in your life. I heard a man say this, and it's true. Listen to it. Teach your children to pray even if they never get a college degree. I'm telling you right now, I'd rather you know how to pray than be a doctor, a lawyer, and make a million dollars. Because you can have money and you go, you hit a wall and you won't know what to do and you're going down. Teenagers, the, and it's not up to the youth pastor to teach them. You teach them by precept and example. They better hear you praying. You know, my kids, they never wondered what tongues was. They started all three boys Praying in tongues at two and three years of age. I don't, I don't even remember getting them filled with a Holy Ghost. I don't remember praying with the boys. It's just that when mommy and daddy go in the living room every night and pray, the kids in the bedroom at night look up to God and go, me too, Jesus. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just you know, if you speak Spanish, your kids learn Spanish. If you speak English, they learn English. If you pray in tongues, they learn tongues. If they don't know tongues, it's because you ain't speaking in tongues. Now let's get over this. It's embarrassing. Listen to me. Oh, help me, Jesus. We're in Orlando. Make it sound like Spanish. And nobody knows what you're saying. In Spanish, people go, what was that? I mean, listen, just put a flare on and walk around praying tugs. Nobody is paying any attention to you anyway. When when you're at work and everybody's cussing, it's okay. I mean, it would shock you to get around me. I mean, I pray in the Holy Ghost at restaurants. And they don't know what nationality I am. 
Thank you for this steak. And I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't, I just don't buy this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got on something. I, oh, help me, Father. But it's good anyway. Did you ever realize that men and women who are defeated and breaking down in their business, their homes, and their spiritual life is because we haven't prayed? Let me change that because you haven't. Your family needs you. Your family right now. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, if, if I went around this room and I just started right now, and I just stopped and said, tell me what's going on in your family. I ain't talking about your, just your spouse. I'm talking about your in-laws, outlaws, uncles, aunts, cousins. Honey, they, you know they're not. We're not talking. They say, I'm saved. Listen, if they're saved and they're not living for God, they're bound up and they need prayer. They're not praying. And he didn't say go in all the world and nag. He said pray. Drive them crazy with your mouth. Just start praying for them. And they'll get miserable as all get out. Oh, my God. Justin was telling me his story the other night, and I hope they don't get this CD. But this guy that he was talking to, and he says, I've been talking to him about the Lord and praying for him, praying for him. Well, he's been having dreams of going to hell. I said, that's God. <laughs> So he told Justin the other day, he says, well, I learned one thing. I'm going to hell. I said, well, that's a good place to begin. Because most people don't know that or even think about it. But the fact that the Holy Ghost, I'm in the woods one day and my mother's praying for me and I start thinking about hell. I never thought about hell. Hell, I'm going to hell. I wish I wasn't going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Why is this, what's this on me making me think about I'm going to hell? Well, my mother is praying for me. And I need to know I'm going to hell so I get saved. Every time that woman starts praying. I love the story of Jesse Duplantis. If y'all don't know Jesse, I love the story. And he's down, at, he's down in Tijuana. And his mama calls him on the phone in the bar in Tijuana. I love his story. And he, and he says, Mama? Jesse, is that you? You are sinning. You're in sin, Jesse. Mama, how'd you get the phone number to a bar in Mexico? God gave it to me, Jesse, in prayer and told me to call you and tell you you're in sin and you're going to hell. Mama, I can't even enjoy sin while you're around. You can't call me in Mexico. Mama, don't call me in Mexico. Don't. don't think your mama, God won't tell your mama where you are. Oh, yeah. Well, we got some goofy doctrines. We got to kick them out. When y'all are doing stupid stuff and you come into church and I say stuff, don't tell me it's you. I don't know it. Don't walk out the front door and go, who told you? Who told me what? You know what you said. No, I don't, but I like some juicy gossip what you've been doing. 
<laughs> I don't know, but the Holy Ghost does. It's amazing the things I say. And, and what's funny is, what's funny is that often I'll walk right up to somebody and just lay hands on like this, and then I'll start saying something, and they're sitting there going, oh, and that's God. <laughs> I'm going to run out of the building. My God, who told you? Well, I don't know. You tell me what it is. All right, I'm done. You have been occupied with pleasures and dreams, and the men and women staggering under burdens you should have carried, they're breaking down. Oh, God, have mercy on us. As you read this, do not read it simply to awaken you for a moment, but let prayer become like eating. It's your business of your, or your home. If you're a mother or a wife and you live at home, there are certain duties you perform every day. The greatest duty you're ever going to perform for your family is the prayer duty. Now listen to this statement, and some of you may disagree, but it's okay. You can be wrong. It may be that it's no longer a privilege because you threw the privilege away. You ignored it, and now it's become a stern duty. Why, God, ain't going to make me do nothing. Well, you're just... Yeah, you are too. It's a duty now. You must go back to your prayer closet and begin anew by worse, by fellowshipping with him. Do not do it for the sake of your family, the boys and girls, the sake of your home, your church, and God will honor you. Children are growing up in Christians' homes without the restraining power of God over their lives. The reason is apparent. Mothers and fathers have failed their responsibility in their prayer life. I call on you, men and women, who are yourselves are to blame for the crime and the lawlessness of the youth of this generation. Now, you go and ask forgiveness, and you take your responsibility and do it now. Amen. Now, that's the strongest page in the whole book. But anyway, the rest of the book's all really good. Amen. So, John 16. Let's go back to the judgment. Because the world is judged, right? Thank you. The world is judged, right? Okay, John 16 Verse, verse 6, it says, and when he, the Holy Ghost, has come, he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness, because they go to my Father, you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. If Satan is judged and you're not in Christ, are you? Yes, you are. Now, I say this all the time because this is a, this is a point that people just don't understand. Because, you know, they, they start talking about, well, you know, I've done all these sins Sins, plural, is not sending man to hell. Man, outside of Jesus, is sin. You are sin. How can you be in sin do right? It isn't that you do sin. You are Satan. A strong statement. But the average non-believer doesn't know that. They have no earthly idea what their problem is. So that's why it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 about Jesus, and people say he took our sins. He, he did not. He didn't die on the cross for your sins. He became sin. It's, it's going to take me a month to go through that. He, he took on the nature of sin because he had to take all of Adam's sin. He had to take Adam's place. And Adam had become dead in sin, and you were dead in sin, and it was the only way to pay the debt. So it's not even though God don't like dope smoking and all that, it wasn't all that sending you to hell or sending your neighbors to hell. 
They're dead in sin. So that's one of the areas you got to know. You're going to start telling people about Jesus. All right. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are y'all learning anything so far? All right. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. Now, we're going to, we're going to talk about praying for the lost. Wished I had a blanket. Weren't those things we used to throw on people's? I'm going to grab one of them. I'm going to grab one. All right, now, I need you to understand something. When we start talking about prayer, we get hung up on the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is for you. The prayer for other people, you're going to pray it constantly. Why? Because when you're praying for you, you're finding what's yours. You're like being filled with the Holy Ghost. And you pray it, you believe you receive it, and it's yours. But you're praying for it. Now, that would be sweet, but the lost person, their minds are messed up. They don't even know they need salvation. So we have a problem, and we're just going to make a center out of you just for a minute. So we have a problem with this man who's not saved, and we're going to pray for Paul tonight. When we do, God always answers your prayer. You're not begging God to save Paul. God's more interested in Paul than you are. But your prayers are covering his mind. Now, he has a choice to go, Do y'all see that? So tomorrow, I'm going to pray for him again. Do y'all see this? All right. This is why we're going to talk about prayer. Now, you need to fix your hair. You look terrible. This is why, and, and I'm going to show you scriptures that, that really bothered me for years. You know the scripture, ask and keep asking? I had a hard time with that scripture. Because I was thinking when I read that, that I'm praying for me. That's not what that's about. Jesus covered that in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, praying for you. But when you're talking about praying over people, you're going to pray a lot over them. It may be the same thing every day for a while because you're, you're taking a hammer and you're busting all of the lies of hell out. Just, boom, that's a lie. That. And so what's God's doing? The Holy Ghost is giving him truth. Give him peace of truth. Give him peace of truth. Give him peace of truth. And those, those lies are breaking and falling. But it doesn't happen sometimes in a week or a month. It depends on how, how messed up his life is. And this is why he says don't be, you know, don't be weary in well-doing. Because you say, I prayed for them for a year. Well, then let them go to hell then, I guess. Now, somewhere along the line, 
That's why you have to pray in the Holy Ghost because you have to say, God, I'm, I'm praying over them all I know and I'm, and I'm going to do the best in English I know, but now I really need some help in the Holy Ghost because there's something blocking Paul that I am unaware about and I need, to, I need help in this. And it seems like every time I would pray for someone who was lost and I couldn't lead him to the Lord, the Holy Spirit would whisper to my heart how to pray and what to ask. Are y'all getting this? There's a lot more to this than just, oh, Heavenly Father, save Joe and Uncle Sam and Susie and Bill and John and Sam and Barbara and Pete. Amen. Just a little bit more to it than that. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you, being led by the Holy Ghost. So let me tell you a story now, because I've told you before, and and just remember the scripture. When I worked in Tulsa, the Lord began to deal with me about praying and I told him I wanted to go in ministry, and y'all know the story. And he says, well, the people you work with are lost. And I said, well, who cares, you know? And so, you know, it's like, I don't want to be in ministry, but, you know, I, I just want a pulpit is what I was saying. And God was getting on me, getting on me, because there's little, you're, you're talking about people, son. You're asking me to give you a pulpit, and you don't care about people. Why would I do that? That was stupid. You don't, you don't even know how to get one person to say, why would I give you a pulpit? And so he kind of got on to me. So I had to start praying for the people I work with. Jan Henderson, husband Scott, her, their, their friend Ron, and, um, and I don't remember the names of the other people who work. But, but he says, until Jan gets saved, don't talk to me about ministry. I said, that's really unfair. This Italian has got to get born again or I can't go in ministry. He said, that's right. I said, well, He's God and I'm not, right? So I go off every day at lunch and I'm praying for Jan. Well, I did this for about a week. And you know how far I got? None. But I'm in there praying in the Holy Ghost for her. And the Holy Spirit said, ask me to get her to church. Now, listen, listen, and this is where, just listen. God's not withholding from you in your prayer life. But there's times you need to be more specific, and that's why you have a relationship and fellowship with God in your prayer life. It's more than just slinging words in the air and calling it prayer. So he knew that she had a blockage to getting born again anywhere except in a church. She's always envisioned herself. If she was going to go and get saved, it would be in church. So he said, ask me to get her to church. And this is the thing that changed me because I'm thinking, well, why'd you ask me that? That's when I learned that he's limited by my prayer life. So I said, God, get her to church. I got up and walked. Matter of fact, Lisa, if I'd have thought about it, baby, I would have put that picture on the screen. Because when we were in Tulsa, Lisa asked me, where was that apartment? And the apartment complex is run down. And I said, well, it's been 30 years, but it was brand new when I worked there. So there was an empty apartment, and so we took a picture of me in front of it. But I came out of that apartment, I probably walked about from here to the children's church, to the office. And when I walked in, Jan looked at me and said, where do you go to church? And I said, that's fast. And I said, if you answer all my prayers that fast, you and I will be doing real, real good. And I said, I go to Bobby Andy's church, Grace. She says, well, give me the, the address. And I gave it to her and I said, Heavenly Father, get her in church in Jesus' name, amen. So every Sunday they had a prayer meeting that went on during service. 
like they do here. They do it before, but they would, that we would go in a room and pray for all the people that were in church um, that Sunday to come to Jesus. And so the first Sunday she didn't get saved. I was so bummed. She's keeping me in Tulsa. And by the third Sunday, I'm desperate. I'm her soul is my highest priority. Should have been all along. And third Sunday, she walked forward and got born again. I was so excited. She, I, I was there and she walked forward and I'm weeping. Not that she got saved, but I get to leave Tulsa. And, um, and so, and so. The next day at work, she comes up, she hugs me. She goes, oh, my God, thank you for letting me know about church and all that. I said, you have no idea, lady. And so I said, Lord, do I get to leave now? And he said, Scott's not saved. I said, that's not fair. <laughs> and I did something very different. I said, I just decided I'm not even waiting on Bob. And I walked up and I said, Scott, have you considered the fact that your wife just got saved and you need to get saved too? He said, I've been thinking about it. I said, give me your hand. Let me show you in the Bible. Romans 10, 9, 10. And I got, I got him born again the next Monday at work. I ain't waiting three weeks on you, son. I've been, we're getting saved now. And so in the next week or two, I got most of the people at work born again. And then the Lord said, get your bags. You're going to Orlando. Now, that, but, I, but the God, that was a part of my teaching. You know, you can learn something outside of Bible school. You better. You didn't learn everything you know in Bible school. That's what I learned. You don't learn everything you know in Bible school. But, the, but Satan has their minds blinded, right? Okay, now let's talk, about, let's talk about this. Go to Acts 4, and, and, and I need you to listen to me again. You've got, you've got to get this. This is not, this is a prayer meeting in a church for the lost, our Sunday night prayer meetings are not prayer meetings for you to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and healed. You may, but the reason that it's different is the emphasis is different. That's right. Amen. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. If you can, if you can, you can eat it. Okay. Acts four twenty three. Being let go, they they got thrown in prison. They went to their own companions, and you need a companion, you need a company, reported all the chief priests and elders said, and when they heard that, all the problems that the government was giving them, they raised their voice to God, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, they're quoting the Bible to God. Do you think he doesn't know it? And why does he need to hear it again? He needs to hear it out of your mouth. He needs you to bring you the promise of God to him. You said you didn't want anybody to go to hell. You said Jesus died on the cross. You said that the devil has blinded. You said that I've got authority over all the work of the enemy. So I'm telling the devil to get off my loved one in Jesus' name, and I'm asking you to draw them, and I'm asking you to show them and lead them and guide them and explain the gospel to them and bring them out of the darkness and the light, and I take authority over those drugs, and I take authority over all that worldliness, and I bind it in Jesus' name. Satan, you're not stopping them from coming to Jesus. God needs you to do that. He needs you to do that. He needs you to quote scriptures. If you're going to talk to God about people, quote the scripture to God. Argumentative prayer, like a lawyer arguing his case, is the most productive kind of prayer. God, you said. You said. 
Now, you, Jesus died for my husband. He's headed to hell. Jesus, you shed your blood for him. Now, I'm calling you to that. I'm calling him out of darkness. I'm calling him to the blood covenant. I'm calling him out of ignorance. In Jesus' name, he will not live in that anymore. He will not stay in that heavenly father. You said where the spirit of God is, there's liberty. And I'm asking the Holy Ghost, get on him. And you draw him to, and you show him Jesus, and show him heaven, and you show him hell, and you speak to him about Jesus, and you show him in Jesus' name. Well, I did that. Well, then do it again. Are you getting this? All right. They're quoting the scripture. Why do the nations rage? People plot vain things. The kings of the earth take their stand. Rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, Herod, Pontius, Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done. Now, Lord, I want you to look on their threats. I want you to grant to us, your servants, that with all boldness, we will preach your word. I'm asking you to stretch your hands out and heal the sick. Signs and wonders to be done in the name of Jesus. And as they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. And that's not the end of their prayer meeting. That's the gist of it. That whole church got together and they prayed out loud. That they would not have known what they pray unless they were praying loud enough to write it down. This is not you at home in your private prayer life. You can pray quiet for you all day. I know that bothers people, but... But you know what, if you, if, you, if you ever get tired of not getting people saved, then change the way you pray. You say, I don't understand it. Well, don't, you don't need to understand it, just obey. When there's, you said, I have a joy in my heart. Well, you're a liar if you're not jumping. I am a spirit in a body. When my spirit goes, hallelujah, my body goes, Hallelujah. My spirit can't get full of joy and my body not be because my spirit's in my fingers. There, it's in my eyes and my dough. My spirit man is inside of me and whatever is happening in my spirit is happening in my body. And if it ain't happening in my body, it ain't happening in my spirit. So you tell me you're on fire for God and we can't even see you burn. Does that make sense to you? you? You are not separate from your flesh. When your spirit leaves, your flesh is going to flop in the floor. And you'll look back and go, I didn't know I was that fat. I'm going to give you all a revelation. You've never seen yourself. You say, I have in the mirror. That's not you. That's a reflection. We see you. Did you know you've never heard yourself unless you hear yourself on tape? And that's why you go, I sound like that? To us, you do. Because you're hearing yourself with your inner ear. You're not hearing yourself with your outer ear when you're talking. Woo, that upset you. So one of the first things that happen when you die and you look at yourself and go, who is that? No, I can't. if I'm there, why am I, how did I get here? 
Big Andrew, and you go, it's time? That was easy. But what, listen, if you're passionate in your soul, you're passionate physically. I know that bothers people. Because if being quiet would cause a move of God, well, then the Episcopalians would be in revival. Have you ever noticed every church that dies, the people are quiet? Why do you want to just die while you sit here? Acts 12. Go to Acts 12. I know that bothers people. I know it does. I know it does. I know it bothers you, but you're wrong. All right. Acts 12. Let's read it. Let's read. It's okay to read the Bible? Chapter, let's, let's read verse 1. About that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some in the church. He killed James' brother, John, with a sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to, to seize Peter. It was during the days of unleavened bread, and he's going to kill him. He's going to kill this guy. And when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him for the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer. Say constant. constant. Say a lot of prayer. A lot. Every day. All the time, a lot of it was offered to God by the church. Wait a minute. Why didn't they just pray one time? Heavenly Father, get Peter out of jail. In Jesus' name, we all agree. Let's go to lunch. We're not praying the prayer of faith, Leroy. You're dealing with demons, people, spirits, the spirit realm. You've got a lot of things you're dealing with all at once. There's a whole, listen, boy, golly, gee, help me, Jesus. There's a lot more to you dealing with the spirit realm than a simple prayer of faith. That is for you. You're praying for someone to get out of jail or hell. You're going to learn a new word. It's called constant prayer. You say, how do I know when to quit? When they come out. Well, isn't that walking by sight? Yes. Because it takes faith to pray constantly. Because if you're not believing God, you won't do it. You all see that? Okay. Okay. Let's, let's look at, let's go to another one. Let's go to another one. Colossians 4.12. Let's go. Ha, ha, ha. You're getting this, aren't you? You're getting this in Jesus' name. You're getting it. You know, there was times I just wished I just want to sit with people and sit down like a little Indian, cross my little legs and grab their hands and just make them pray until they get in the spirit and experience what it's like to work with God, the Holy Ghost. It radically changed your life. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Colossians 4.12. Let's look at this. 4.12. Epaphras, who's one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring, say laboring, fervently. Does that sound a little like constant? Does it also sound like a little bit more than a quiet prayer? Laboring fervently in prayer that you may stand perfect in the will of God. People do not grow up and mature without prayer. They stay babies. Your children are dying and they're baby Christians and they don't understand. It, youth group it does no good if you're not praying for them. 
just wasting their time. That's why when they get to adulthood, they get up and pack it and leave. They never learn anything in church. You never took the time to get before God. I'm not condemning you, but change today. Just say, God, I'm changing right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Debbie Boone's mother, I don't know her name. Pat Boone made a statement. Um, he said, my wife has calluses on her knees. I went to Ramah with Debbie Boone. I went to Ramah with Ellie Mae Clampett. What's her name? Donna Douglas. I don't tell you something. It's really funny. You're walking down the hall and you walk, and Ellie Mae goes by. You're like, where's the monkey? Not really. A lot of celebrities went to Raymond during that time, and then you'd see them in the halls and go, they're just people. Amen. James chapter 5. Let's do this one in the Amplified. Let's just pop it on the screen. I'm going to. Let's do it. Now let's read this. Let's read it because I got someplace I got to go. Confess your sins one another, your fault steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. For the heartfelt, persistent. This is not talking about perfect. For, and I'm, I'm going to tell you all this. For a while I read that and went, God, that's not right. I don't need to pray over and over and over. I just need to pray once. But see, I wasn't thinking of other people. Yeah. Persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action, made effective by God is dynamic and can have tremendous power. He's talking about a persistent prayer. Let's look at another one. Let's look at another one. You're talking about your family now, okay? Are we talking about your family? Um, uh, let's don't do that. Let's don't do Mark 6, 46. Let's do Luke 6, let's do Luke 6, 12. And I'm going to show you something in your Bible. You got to see it in your Bible. I want you to see it in your Bible. Luke 6, 12. And I want you to read, I want you to see this. It came to pass in those days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Let me ask you a question. Why? Let's go back to this thought. Did God not know why he sent him? See, we have people out trying to do the work of God, and they don't have a prayer life. And they, don't, and they think, and, and they really do believe this. I'm going to go preach the gospel and God's going to watch over his word. And, and, and it's almost, but if you ask the people that say that and you get them alone for coffee, say, do you pray? And they'll say, well, certainly. How much? Well, sometimes a lot and sometimes a little. And I stay in communion. Most of them will make a statement. I stay in communion with God all the time. Are y'all hearing me? And they have a prayer life. And we look at that and think it's, it's, their, it's their preaching that's doing it. And, it. and it is. You need to preach the gospel. But it's their fellowship with God before they get up and preach that's causing the, the signs and wonders and miracles people get saved to happen. And, and they don't usually stop and go, well, can I tell you the truth about it? I spent all night in prayer. They don't, they don't normally say that. They don't want to get you in works. But, you, but, but if Jesus spent all night in prayer, it didn't say he spent every night in prayer. You don't have to pray every night. All right, but then why did he continue all night? Couldn't he have got it done in five minutes? 
Apparently not. There's some things you, there's things you need to talk over. And it takes time. When, when, before I started pastoring this church, I, and, I, and, and listen to my heart. Let's please, please hear this. And you can ask Lisa. I knew I had a call of God on my life. And I'm laying block. I'm Mason. I'm block Mason. I came home every day, took a shower. Well, I didn't take a shower off. I went out in the, in the garage and I worked out with weights. I ran about a mile or two every night when I got home. Came in and took a shower, ate. And, and, and how often, Lisa, would do you think I went in Josh's room, clocked the door, and sat and prayed for an hour? Two, three, four, five times a week? Yeah. I want, I want to know, what am, I, what am I doing? I had to pray it out. It didn't come the first week. It didn't come the second week, guys. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I know that bothers people. We have such a lazy mentality we just we, we want to walk to go to Burger King get some come to church get a healing and go home it, it didn't if you're going to have a garden you are you you are going to plow ground you you're not planting anything until the ground's plowed there's there's times that your prayer your times in prayer and you don't have, and I'm not talking about become a monk But there are seasons where, where the Spirit of God will lead you and you just need to get a hold of God and you need to get some prayers answered. And I'm going to tell you it won't happen in an hour. It might take a week or a month depending on what you're praying about. I was praying out this church. You give birth to a church, you're going to do some praying. Jesus, if you read this, was about to go pick the 12 disciples. He, he had a lot of praying before he made this decision. Not, and I'm not talking about, quote, three scriptures. I'm, I have the righteousness of God. I have the wisdom of God. I have the mind of Christ. And in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, shandai, shandai, thank you, good night. And you want to know why nothing happens in your life? There's a thing, I call it, and I don't know, I don't have a word for it other than this. I have a word called divine dissatisfaction. There are times when I become dissatisfied. I know God is trying to say something, but I'm not hearing him. And I become miserable. I just become like, ha. And going out for steak dinner doesn't fix it. I tried it. You go out to dinner, you're miserable. You come home, you're miserable. And what you end up doing is going, oh, man, I know what he's doing. I got to go do some praying. And you spend a season. And I'm not, y'all are getting this. You're getting this. Okay. And with people, I, don't you wish that everybody just obeyed God and you didn't have to pray for the little knuckleheads? But, you, but if, you're going to, if you're going to keep the world off your kids, you're going to get a need degree. You're going to learn something other than confessing the Bible. I didn't say it was bad to confess the Bible. I confess the Bible. Matter of fact, I got a whole pile of confessions tomorrow. Okay. Go to Matthew 7. I'm doing good for time. Thank you, Jesus. I'm doing so good. <laughs> now, this is the scripture. I absolutely could not stand this scripture. 
I had a, this bothered me. It just bothered me. And I never preached on it and I never read it. I didn't like it. And I really thought that Jesus said it wrong. I did. I did. And I'd read it in the Amplified and I'd scratch it out and go, this is just wrong. You know, sometimes your doctrine might need changing. When, instead of disagreeing with the Bible, why don't you just change and ask God what it is that I'm missing here? All right, I'm going to read it to you. And, and, and if you try to line this up with Mark 11, 23 and 24, it's not going to work. All right. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and keep asking. I hated that. Go to the Amplified. Go to the Amplified. Because it really is. And I looked it up in the Greek one day because it made me so mad. And the Greek really says, ask and keep asking. And just ask and keep asking, it'll be given. Seek and keep seeking and, and you'll find knock and keep knocking. And I had this mindset that this scripture's telling me that God is up there going, I ain't answering your prayer unless you spend a month asking me. And it just angered me that he was that belligerent with me. You're not trying to talk God into anything. That's where my doctrine was wrong. What I didn't realize is that he wanted me to keep praying because he did answer the first time. The first, listen, I'm going to use my wife right now. Let me, and I hope, and she won't get embarrassed, I promise. When I met Lisa, she's a great AG girl. But there were things I learned at Rhema about who you are in Christ. And I, when I started talking to Lisa, I realized that was a new wrinkle to Lisa. You know, who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. And she'd make statements like, well, you know that scripture where you just say it? I don't, I, I don't get it. I have a hard time with that. And I would say things to her, and I could tell by her response that she didn't get it. And that's no condemnation on people. Just because you preach something doesn't mean people get it. So I would go in and pray the prayers in Ephesians for her every day and it took about a month it was about a month later that I walked out of my closet she goes you know what the Lord said to me and I went what and she said and I said I told you that she goes no the Lord told me this <laughs> and and it hit me that's when it dawned on me that there's a way that Lisa needs to hear it how I was saying it didn't make sense to her but it made sense when God said it to her. So I did this to her. I, I would go in every day and I'd throw the word, I would throw the anointing of God and the word of God on my wife's mind. Do y'all see that? Thank you. You've been such a. But you understand mind renewal is not. No, y'all get this, right? That is what that is talking about. We, we're not trying to talk God into the notion, and that's what bugged me. I thought, no, God, that's not right. Your love, you, you answer prayers immediately. That bothers me. I don't like this scripture. <laughs> and I realized that I'm praying over circumstances, and God needs me to get on it and stay on it until it changes. So we're going to work at something over a period of time until it changes. Amen. All right, let's look at Tom Bowser. Even though Tom Bowser, by his stripes he's healed, 
the fact that people have been praying for him constantly has helped him. Now, you, you, we could argue doctrine all day long. You know, well, he should have done what he didn't. So we're not going to walk in and go, well, if you don't have your faith up, go to hell. <laughs> well, then Jeannie, just let him die. I think he should have known by now. And it, no, you're not going to do that. You don't do that. You go in there and you go, Jeannie, what do you want? I want him to live. You, 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 want, this, you want him to live? You still want him? You still want it? Okay, no, I'm teasing <laughs> She goes, yes, I do. It's my husband. I went, so, so Jeannie's, so I said, Jeannie, where are you? She says, live and not die. I said, we agree. Yeah. Now, we didn't just get an agreement and walk out. I sat in that hospital and prayed in the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God over him for four or five hours. Now, I got up and walked out and got a smoothie and he code blued. The minute I stopped praying, he code blew. And, and the doctor looked at me and said, when you walked out, he, he, that happened. I went, oh, Jesus. And it hit me. We're keeping him here. We're keeping him here. So when Jeannie met me, I said, you can't leave the room. You stay in his presence. You keep speaking the word over him. So that was the reason why I came in and said, thank you to Art and Crystal. And thank you to um, um, Nicole and Debbie. Because they would go in the room and relieve her. And, and so, let's, let's just, just, just. There's more to prayer than you learned in one book. Golly gee, guys, really. You know, if something's, not, if something's not working, just bow your head and go, what do we do here? You know, just have a little humility about yourself. So there are things that, that maybe should have happened away, but they didn't. So now it's up to us to get in there and fight for him and to contend with the devil. Contend with death. Contend with unbelief. Contending with that trash. Words that are spoken in that room, things that are said, and you've got to contend. So that's why it says in there, when Peter was in jail, constant prayer was made for him. The old line Pentecostals knew this. And here's where they messed up. They tried to use this kind of prayer for the prayer of faith, and it didn't work. So people like Brother Hagin came along and says, wait a minute, you're praying wrong. They would get in the altars and pray for weeks to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And he had to come along and say, that's the wrong kind of praying for that. Yeah. Then now we've turned around to where that's the only kind of praying we ever do. Ever do. Yeah. We don't have any altars where people get up and pray for an hour over something. I'm doing good, aren't I? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me see if I can. Okay. Luke 10 and we'll close. Does this help? Does this help? Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking the Lord to raise us up, all of us in this church. And I am so proud of this church with, with, with Tom Bowser, and I'm proud. The Monday night prayer meeting with, with the ladies, and I mean, it's already a praying church. You come in here Tuesday morning, you know, you're in the office. These ladies are just, woo, glory to God. So I'm quite proud of this church. But, you know, having 12 people pray when they don't know your family, and your family's not getting prayed for. Their families are, but yours are not. And you, and you say, well, I don't have time to come down here on Tuesday. Well, I'm trying to teach you this now so you can still pray like this at home. And I'll tell you this. It's, it's easier if you get your spouse in agreement or find a friend. Yes. I don't know why that is. I can't, I can't explain why that is. 
I only know that when I prayed with two or three people in a prayer meeting with Brother Hagin, it seemed to be easier on me to pray. It seemed to happen quicker. It seemed to lighten the load. Okay, I don't, I don't know everything. All right, let's read this and we'll, and we'll close and we'll pray. Father uh, 10, Luke 10 two. And he said, the harvest is great and the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest, send laborers in the harvest. And we need to do this. He needs us to start asking him about the harvest and about people. Now, I use this because there's times when I, when I go, my, my, my family doesn't want to hear me. So, Father God, either open a door for me or send someone to him. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you one more story? Do y'all know, have y'all ever seen the paintings that are black and white and one house is in color? I always thought that was a cool painting. I, I, I don't own one. I probably would not put one up in my house. But I always thought that was cool. When I was a resident manager of the apartment complex in, in, before I went to Tulsa, it, it seemed like there were places where people lived. And I'm the resident manager, and I've never met them. I would come home, and there'd be a, there was a drop box, and there was a check in it for the month's rent. I never saw them go to work. I never saw them come home. They never barbecued. It's just an apartment. I've never seen their face. I wouldn't know them. And there might be 10 of these places, and I've never seen them. But then there was always the people that you ran into them everywhere. The grocery store, they came, knocked on the door. They dropped it in the morning when you were waking up. And, and you just kept running into these people. Every one of those people that I met them, I found out later someone was praying. When no one's praying... They will go through life in darkness and die. That's scary. So that's why where you work, it's important where you work. You're the only one there that goes, oh, everybody here is a heathen. Okay? Start praying for them. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to lead them to the Lord. But it just means that God... If I'm not the one, you open up a door, but if I'm not the one, somebody. So the one girl, I, I met her at the grocery store. I met her, I mean, I ran into her like, I guess, 10 times in two weeks. And finally she walked in one day and she sat on my couch and said, okay, what is it? I said, what do you mean, what is it? Well, you know, she wanted to talk. And I, and I ended up leading the Lord, got her born again. And she says, you know, I have a sister and um, she goes down to Florida to a place where Norval Hayes. And she's a tongue talking like you. I said, she's praying for you. She goes, oh, yes. I said, that's why I keep running into you everywhere I go. That girl is praying for her sister to come, it, to, come to Jesus. And God put me in her path. Oh, I love God. Well, her sister hadn't have prayed. I'll guarantee you nothing would happen. This scripture is powerful, guys. I'm asking the Lord to start raising us up to be more harvest 
conscious. Father, bring people to church. And when you're talking to someone and you say, go to church with me, and they say no, don't keep bugging them. The failure is in your prayer life. You, start, you pray that devil off that person. You pray that lie off that person. You, start, you, you pray the spirit of God draw that person. And I'll guarantee you a day will come when you'll walk up and say, you go to church with me, and they'll say, yes, I will. They will come because your prayers are going to set them free so they can come out of darkness and get saved. Now, let's go back to the original word that I said. A sinner is under judgment. If no one's praying for them, they will never come to Jesus. They're already under damnation. They're not going to pray themselves. That's heavy, isn't it? That's a pretty heavy thought. So let's close in, in prayer. Father God, I thank you. I've, I've taken the, the word you've given to me tonight, and I, and I believe I, I, I'm hearing from you very clear in this. And I believe this is part of the change for this church and, and the world. I personally believe there's a harvest in the earth coming like we have never seen before. I think it'll begin with churches and people praying Father God, I'm asking that the people sitting here tonight would catch a revelation of what it means to, to not, 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 not to struggle and weep and cry in prayer, but just to come before you and bring people's names and begin to be interested in the people that are around them and ask you just to pray in their behalf for the things that they know they're not praying for for themselves. And Father, we'll leave the rest of it up to you. But, but, but I'm asking that we as a church become a lot more conscious of a responsibility that is on us to pray for people. And I thank you for that revel. I pray that after tonight there will be people in heaven that would not have been in heaven just because of this, this service tonight. And there will be people pick up the CD or, or listen to it online. It will make an adjustment in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I started off by making a statement to you and I've made this many times so please listen. I've got to say this before we leave. I told you I worked on an all-black crew. Part of that was that God wanted me to be introduced to a culture that I didn't grow up in. And I made a lot of friends. But they gave me so much trouble, you can't go beat them up, but you can pray for them. And I'm going to tell you something. I remember the day Omar Walker walked up and pulled up a concrete block and said, and he said, Morgan, what do you have? And, and up until then, he made a lot of black people will make racial slurs too. They do it among each other more than they do. They finally got comfortable enough around me. They, they're always joking with each other and messing around. So they were always messing with me. And I thought, Omar, just, we're going to go down this, this road again. And he said, no, Morgan, I'm serious. I said, Omar, what, what is it I got you want? He said, we give you hell. I said, yes, you do. He said, you don't rattle. I said, no, I don't. He said, I want what you have. I said, you really want this? He goes, I do. I'm ready. I said, I want you to come to my house tonight. He said, I ain't coming to a popcorn night. 
I don't understand everything that happened in Florida before I got here, but apparently that wasn't a place for most people to drive to death. Well, Lisa remembers the night that Omar came over. And he had been born again years before, but he was totally out of fellowship with God. Prayed with him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. He left my house speaking in tongues and full of God. And see, before that, he was a, not a practicing. He wasn't in the Black Panthers, but he ran around with them. And he hated white people. He hated white people. Except me. <laughs> That's what he told me one day. I had to get on to him. I said, Omar, don't hate anybody. But him and I did mission trips together after that, and he started pastoring a church in Claremont. Wow. And he died at, what, 50, 50 years of age. He had a heart attack. Um, but I'm going to tell you what did it. I started praying for him. If you're going to work with people that are not saved, why don't you just consider that your mission field? Why don't you go on there with the attitude? I mean, listen, the reason they act like sinners is they're sinners. Why are you trying to turn them into Christians? You, you can't turn them into They got to get saved. And, and don't, don't preach religion to them. Lord, have mercy. Don't do that. Just share Jesus with them. Tell them about you and Jesus, and then you pray. And I promise you this. I promise you. They'll walk up to you someday and go, would you pray for me? It's just simple stuff like that. Very simple. And say, I, please, yeah, I will. And when you get a chance, just, just open to Romans 10, 9, 10, say, can I, get you to, can I get you to pray? I want you to pray with me. Well, you want me to pray? I want you to pray. I say, I, I'm going to pray for you. But would you do me a favor and say this prayer with me? I'm going to read it to you. Heavenly Father, I do believe Jesus died on the cross. I say, you believe that? Yeah. If you believe he died on the cross, rose from the dead, you'll be saved. And I get him to pray this. If you said, if I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead, that if I ask you to be the Lord of my life, I'd be saved. I'm asking you that, and I'll be saved. Now, now, I thank you for that. And then I say, now let's pray over your daughter or your son, whatever it is you're praying over. Let's pray for that now. But while you're praying over their request, get them born again. You ever read that scriptures? Compel them? Make, make them get saved. <laughs> make them look at you and go, no. <laughs> you say, what if it don't work? Well, that's none of your concern. You see that? So, yeah, I mean, I could can, I can stand here all day and tell you people who have gotten saved that I really didn't think they did when I prayed that. I really thought they're, they're, they didn't get nothing. And a month later, they show up in church and go, yeah, I got saved that day. I really got saved. And I go, boy, you did. And I watched them grow in God. Amen. Do you all see this? This is fun. You, when, I'm going to tell you something. You start doing this, it's addictive. You'll be wanting to run to Honduras or something. You say, I got to go to Honduras or something. <laughs> Father God, thank you for your goodness and your mercy tonight. We bless this people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.